Senior Focus. Welcome everyone. I'm Anne-Marie Curry. I'm your presenter of this session of Senior Focus. And today I want to focus on tree cover in Auckland and the future of our city in terms of our green environment and our green space and our wellness in relation to that. And I have with me Dr. Mel Spartan, who is the Secretary of the Tree Council. And uh, Mel's is very uh, over a lot of the issues around tree protection and the future of the greening of our city and she's a very good advocate and I thought she was an excellent person to be on our program today as we focus on these issues and there's been a lot for um, seniors in particular in the community to be concerned about of recent times many very distressed at the loss of tree cover seeing developers chopping mature trees down trees that are you know take 30 years to replace and the council has a very robust document called the Nahiri strategy which is a, a full investigation and research and overview as to the state of our uh, green asset base, our tree cover and where we've got mature trees, where we've got gaps, um, what the density is like, how rapidly is it being denuded by development and and what are the threats to it other than development? Uh, what are the issues around replantings and establishing new tree cover? And it's it's a really comprehensive document because it's done aerial photography with drones. It's, it's looked into the whole um, tree count, um, what trees are protected still, and so on. So it, it gives a, a whole... Um, evidence base for looking at many of the issues that concern people day to day in their neighbourhoods. Of course, um, those of us who live in central Auckland are very aware of some of the intensity of the battle between the Maunga Authority and uh, a group that is wanting to save the exotic trees on Mount Albert. So the that particular issue has probably been the tip of the iceberg in terms of looking at what's happening. So <clears throat> we start with the uh, Nahiri strategy and I'm very interested in, Mel's your response to the document and what you see as the major strategic issues for us in Auckland. Kia ora, Anne-Marie. Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, the Council's Urban Nahiri Strategy, it, it is a great document. It's, you know, it's, as a policy statement, it's, it's very good, it's comprehensive. But the problem is it's got no teeth. Um, so much as it, it, its objectives are uh, laudable, you know, that we understand it's, its objectives are based on three principles, knowing, growing and protecting. So you need to know the status of the urban forest. Uh, so you need to do monitoring, you need to, to examine it and look at its health and condition. Um, you need to grow it by planting more trees um, and you need to protect the existing Nahiri. And of course, that's where it falls over because, as we know, there is no general tree protection in Auckland or any of, other, of New Zealand's other cities since the National Party removed it from the Resource Management Act in 2012. And... Uh, 
two Labour governments now have not uh, replaced it. We're hoping that this one will. But um, as to date, there is no general tree protection. So that leaves a massive hole. The urban Nahiri strategy is great on paper, but in effect, it cannot be implemented in terms of protecting trees because there is no protection, general protection for trees. And unless uh, trees are specifically listed in the unitary plan, either as a scheduled tree, a notable tree, which is very, very difficult um, to achieve uh, notable tree status on the schedule uh, because the thing with the schedule is that it was never intended to be general protection of trees. The schedule is intended to list the best of the best, the absolutely the best trees in the region, whether that's um, from an aesthetic point of view, from their rarity, historic, whatever. These are supposed to be the best trees in the region, so you can't just have any old tree on the schedule. And the only other ways to, pro- to protect trees now are if they're in a significant ecological area, which is zoned as such in the unitary plan, or they're on a riparian margin, and that is zoned, or they're cliff-top Pahutakawa that are zoned. So there are some very specific zonings that um, effectively protect trees, but these are very... This is the tip of the iceberg. It's a tiny, tiny number of trees that are, are covered by any of those protections now. The vast majority of trees on private land in our cities have no protection whatsoever. It doesn't matter what species they are. It doesn't matter how big they are. If they're not on the schedule or they're not in one of those special zonings, they have no protection. And that means the landowner can walk out with a chainsaw, no conversation with anybody, cut it down, end of conversation. It's just like over. There's nothing anybody can do about that. And until the law is changed, until the government changes the law to put general tree protection back onto private land, then it doesn't matter what the council does, they are not allowed to add any more levels of tree protection than they are currently allowed for in the RMA. So I know the council gets a hard time about not doing this and not doing that, but in many ways their hands are tied by the legislation. They cannot do what the legislation does not allow them to do. And the National Party very deliberately removed general tree protection and virtually all protection for trees on private land. The Tree Council, when they first did that, the Tree Council and several of the councils in Auckland and the Auckland Regional Council, because it was before amalgamation, we went to the Environment Court to get a ruling on what group of trees meant because we felt that that could potentially protect larger numbers of trees. And we got a favourable ruling from the Environment Court and we thought that was great. So the National Party government changed the law again to remove that's that statement about groups of trees because they absolutely wanted there to be no protection for trees on private land so we are where we're at now that those um, protections were removed in september 2015 and it's pretty much been open slather since then and as you know um, particularly in auckland there's huge pressure on land the city is growing Um, intensification is happening and the unitary plan itself enables um, a very low regulatory framework for development to occur 
So if a proposal meets um, the permitted activity status rules within the plan, which are quite liberal now, um, then no resource consent is required. So even where there are trees on a property and there's potential for development to occur around them, in most cases, if the proposal is for permitted activity status development, the council has no role, it has no lever, it has no conversation with the developer because the developer doesn't need a resource consent. So there's no, well, if you do this, then if you, if you keep the trees, then we'll let you do that. That conversation simply doesn't happen in the majority of cases now because people are developing in, under the very um, liberal uh, uh, permitted activity rules and that does not help our trees one bit. The logical development of this conversation in my mind then is what is the impact of the loss of tree cover to our health and wellness in Auckland because we have um, high levels of people suffering from um, lung disease and from um, breathing and asthma conditions and all related to to pollution and yet it's the tree trees that actually clean the atmosphere for us so would you have any comment about that yes no. and it's 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 very it, it it will have a significant impact i mean auckland already has some of the worst air pollution in the world um and it, it, removing the mature trees because it is the mature trees that provide those benefits and services it's not the little saplings you can plant as many little saplings as you like but it will be decades probably 50 years before any of those little saplings are providing the same benefits and services of a single mature tree um so it's those really big trees the ones that take up a lot of space are, which provide those benefits and services. And it's not just cleaning the air, although obviously that is really important and giving us oxygen to breathe, um, but they treat stormwater. In fact, trees, mature trees um, will intercept at least 30% of the rain that falls during a short storm um, and prevent it from reaching the ground. So when you think about the fact that our city is becoming more and more covered in concrete and roofs, that impermeable surface area enables the water, the rain, to reach the stormwater network really fast. If you don't have mature trees intercepting any of that water that falls, then you're going to get more flooding. That's absolutely a given. And for every large tree that you remove, that puts an extra burden onto the stormwater system. And it basically means that the pipes will not be big enough to deal with the rain when it falls. So the more trees you remove from an area, the more of an infrastructure problem and an, a direct cost that you create for the city to fund in the future. Because you're not only removing something that's intercepting the water, but you're that you're removing, uh, you're replacing it with impermeable area, which basically means the water hits the ground and goes straight into the stormwater system. So there's nothing slowing it up, let alone, you know, effectively drinking it and taking it out of the system and putting it back into the atmosphere, which is what trees do. So, yeah, there's, there's, that's the stormwater and the air pollution, and then there's all the health benefits um, to do with mental health 
and physical health. And these have been measured um, in many studies over the years. Um, but, but basically, even if you're looking at some trees on somebody else's property, they don't need to be in your garden. But even just looking out of the window, um, it will lower your blood pressure. Um, it will make you feel happier. Um, these these uh, physical and mental health benefits of looking at trees and a green environment are real um, and, and they're measurable. And it's no coincidence that many of the sanatoria and the hospitals were built in amongst park-like settings surrounded by mature trees um, and that people went there to convalesce and to be amongst nature because it actually helps with the healing process. Uh, I mean, and, and then there's e economic benefits because uh, trees provide shading um, and reduce the temperature. So that reduces the amount of melting that you get in the summer on roads and pavements, and it prolongs the life of your physical assets uh, because they're not so hot, uh, as well as bringing down the whole temperature for the city. I mean, I noticed that particularly. I live in Titarangi, and if I've been in the city all day, I come home, it's so much cooler here because there are so many trees, so much cooler. It's really noticeable. Um, but the other things that trees do on an economic um, sense is they actually make your house worth more. Um, it's been measured in, in other countries uh, that having mature trees around your house can raise its uh, value by about 15%. So those people that think that their trees are a burden or a liability to their um, house sale should think again because they're actually not. They're actually making your house worth more. And in shopping areas where there are mature trees, people spend more because, oh. like, because they feel happier and more relaxed because they're amongst nature. And, and so in commercial areas, having trees, um, is, it's measurable that there are those people spend more money. So having these assets, these living assets, and they are assets in our cities, is really important on so many levels. It just it touches really every part of our lives, as well as providing, obviously, habitat for other species. Um, for us personally and um, economically, they provide direct and measure, measurable benefits. And, and these have been um, written about. There's, there's numerous papers um, that have been published. Um, over the last 50 years about the benefits, the, the services and benefits provided by urban forests. And, and I'm afraid that other countries take their urban forest um, far more seriously than we do in New Zealand. We just take ours for granted. We're not looking after it. We have no legal protection for it. We're allowing people to remove mature trees hand over fist um, we've completely destroyed the professionalism of the arboriculture industry in this country by deregulating. There's no requirement for anybody to employ a qualified arborist to come and remove a tree now. Um, you could, you've just got all these cowboys running around in trucks with chainsaws um, operating in very unsafe, and it's a very dangerous industry, operating in extremely unsafe ways, let alone um, ecologically inappropriate ways. Um, and, it, it, yeah, it's, it's been a complete and utter unmitigated disaster and continues to be. And until the government replaces general tree protection on private land, it's going to continue. And it won't be very many decades before we're looking at the last trees um, in Auckland in particular, uh, certainly large trees. And, it, you know, they're never going to be replaced because they won't be the space 
to mm. enable anything that's being planted now. And there's plenty of planting going on. Planting is not the issue. Mm. There's plenty of planting of saplings going on. But none of those little baby trees are going to be allowed to grow to the size of the trees that are being taken out because they're being put in situations in general that are inappropriate for them on tiny sections in the corner and as soon as it has a conflict with the fence or the roof or it's dropping leaves in the gutter or whatever they'll just take it out so none of these trees that are being planted are, are you know likely to make it to maturity um and there's a huge amount of attrition with plantings anyway. So you only ever get a very small proportion of them um, surviving. Indeed. I've um, observed the, the Mayor's 100 Million Trees program in operation and even listened to his um, bewilderment at the death of some of these saplings. Um, and I thought, well, you haven't been very well briefed because the survival rate of them is not that high. Anyway, even with the the best care and protection that can be provided and I'm not sure that they're getting the absolute best anyway but that's another story. One other area that of um, direct benefit I think that fits in with the infrastructure situation is the overflow of the stormwater onto beaches and the loss of the amenity of the beach in summertime with um, the E. coli in the beaches and I would say that's all part of the trees benefits to us in terms of controlling the uh, overloading of the stormwater? Uh, well, no, because the majority of the city has separated sewage and stormwater, so um, there shouldn't be E. coli on the beaches if the sewage system isn't cracked, basically, because the stormwater should not be polluted with E. coli. It should be separate. There's only some very small areas of the city where the, the sewage is combined with stormwater still. Um, we're very lucky in that respect. In Auckland, it's a very different situation to that in uh, many other Western countries, particularly in Europe, where the entire sewage system is combined. And so every time it rains, it overflows sewage into the, into the rivers and the sea. But the majority of the sewage problems are to do with um, either cross-contamination, so inc- incorrect um, connect- connections um, of stormwater on private land into the... St- into the um, or, uh, inconnect- con- incorrect connections, yeah, of stormwater into the sewer on private land, so it basically makes it overflow further down, or literally broken pipes or broken pumping stations or inadequate um, capacity um, in those sewage systems. So I wouldn't say... To be honest that um the e coli pollution of our beaches is anything much to do with trees because it's not really the fault of the stormwater it's to do with the fault of the sewage system um, okay that, that's great to cl- clarify that i know it is a very real problem in central auckland um because it's part of the job of healthy waters has been to do the decoupling of the systems where the stormwater and sewage systems still intertwined. Yeah. There's a lot of old piping in the central part of Auckland. Yeah, and Rimawera, Greylin yeah. um, are the worst areas. I'd, I actually personally did a survey of all of the stormwater outlets um, in the Auckland Isthmus for Metro Water when I first came to New Zealand in about um, 
and we assess them for sewage pollution and mm. prioritise them for expenditure. And I think it's disgusting that 20 years later they're only just starting to sort that out. Um, you know, you've had 20 years of pollution that we knew about then and nothing's been done about it in, the sh in that time. So I'm glad to see that they do finally have um, some investment going on and sorting that out. But it's been a problem for a very long time. Mm. Um, it's not new. And it needs a strategic overhaul of the um, the sewage system. I mean, you've only got two, you know, two or three very small areas of combined sewage in this city. That shouldn't be. That shouldn't have taken twenty years to sort that out. It really shouldn't. No, indeed. I think we'll take a break at this point uh, because we've actually had quite a lot to digest. And then when we return, we'll look at some of the uh, ways in which we can advocate some of the legislative changes that might come about um, with the RMA looking to be revised. I think that will be useful. So we'll switch now to Mean City Blues and sit back and enjoy that and then we'll catch up again.
welcome back everyone and uh, I think it's it's good news that the RMA is going to be looked at again and revised I I think that it would be really good to hear from you Mel's as to your thoughts about the revision of the RMA and how you think we could best advocate for better legislative protection of trees. Um, yes, well, it is extremely good news that the RMA is going to be revised because it is a really dreadful piece of legislation. It doesn't do anything, really, to protect um, the environment. What it does is enable development to occur and all of the effects that are caused to the environment by that development are allowed to be mitigated sometimes just by the paying of money. So the RMA, despite what it's been um, lauded to be is not a very effective piece of legislation in terms of environmental protection at all and so i'm delighted to see the back of it quite frankly uh, and what has happened over the last parliamentary term is that the government had an independent panel review what should happen to replace the rma and they produced a recommendations report uh, just before Chris, just just before the election um, which has some recommendations in it uh, to replace the RMA with two separate pieces of legislation, uh, one of which will be called the Natural and Built Environments Act. And that will be uh, really the key thing that will replace the RMA. Um, it, will, it says on, in the report that it should enhance the quality of the natural and built environments to support the well-being of present future gen- generations. And the, the thing about um, the proposal for this is that it's really built on the, the premise that you have um, standards and um, objectives in the environment that you aim to achieve. That's a really good place to start, rather than just saying, oh, well, you can do development. If you have any effect on it, we'll do something about that. That's not the way round if you want to protect the environment. If you want to protect the environment, then you say what it is about the environment that's value that you want to protect and you put in place um, legislative controls to ensure that that, those standards or objectives or whatever it is, however you define that quality of the environment, um, remains at that level. And anything that's going to happen has to fit in with that and not have an impact on that. So that's the best way around to have environmentally protective legislation and I hope that when we see the detail for that act, um, it will achieve that and obviously that's what's going to be really important um, in terms of how we, um, how, we, how we submit when this comes out for consultation. And I understand that there will be uh, public consultation on the, the, the proposals uh, very soon. Mm. I don't have any details on that, but um, there will be consultation soon. And, uh, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. And we, when that happens, we will be putting out recommendations to our members uh, with bullet points um, proposals that they could include in their submissions to try and make that easier for people to put together a submission and, and, and do that. Because we really need, as a, as a society, to say enough is enough. Um, you know, we need to be protecting our environment and trees are one part of that and these things need to be included in the legislation specifically um, to make sure that there is some form of general tree protection that goes back onto private land. 
Well, that's a very strong point to make and a very good point to end on. And it's hopeful too because we can do another program and look specifically at what is proposed in the legislation and these bullet points in particular so we can help people understand why they, they need to get their own personal submissions in on this. It is a numbers game and it will make a difference. So I'd like to thank you, Mills, for coming in today and for being part of this program and for giving us such detailed information to understand really the criticalness of the tree cover in Auckland and the critical necessity of a change in the RMA that will provide some protection and to ensure that we make sure we have every advocacy lever pulled on this one to make sure we have a really good outcome. So thank you again for your contribution and we'll look forward to interviewing you quite soon, uh, probably, possibly um, January even. I can't think that this is going to happen before Christmas, but um, we certainly will look at starting the new year off with a session on this. Thank you very much. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we look forward to having you with us again next week. Together with Senior Focus next Sunday at 5.25pm on Planet FM 104.6 or listen online at any time at planetaudio.org.nz forward slash Senior Focus and do note Senior Focus is one word.